and welcome to this week's Mouth of the Time podcast, brought to you by the Shields Gazette and JPI Media. The band's back together this week. I'm your host, Liam Kennedy, and I'm joined by Miles Starforth, as usual, Jordan Cronin. How are you guys? Good, thanks. But uh, I think like everyone just want some kind of conclusion to this <laughs> this saga, which has been going on since since April and more years earlier. If you, you you go back to when this club was most recently for sale, but uh, no, uh, otherwise I'm I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's been the best ten weeks of my life waiting for this for this takeover to, to go through. No stress at all. Has no had absolutely no impact on my life. Been absolutely fine. So <laughs> I can definitely sense some kind of cynicism there, Jordan. Um, yeah, it's been it's been another one of those weeks. We've had plenty of weeks where nothing has happened. Um, everything seems to have happened in the last twenty four hours. Really, we've had the uh, World Trade Organization their report. Uh, come out yesterday with regards piracy, um, so proxy war continuing uh, on the back pages uh, between Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And then this morning we've seen a lot of times I'd woke up to the news that uh, an American businessman, Henry Morris, Maurice, what we're saying, not sure, uh, he was uh, he's put a bid, tabled a bid, um, which is reportedly worth around 350 million which sort of goes against the 300 million asking price um that we've we've seen reported and we understand to be the case for the saudi consortium um i'll come to you first on this one miles i mean it's to me the way i look at it is uh the bid the saudi bid pif pcp and the rubens is almost as close as you can get to a done deal i don't want to get anybody excited there but what I mean by that is a deposit's been paid, the contracts have been signed, and the Premier League are doing their checks. If they get if they get the green light with regards uh, the check, the owners and directors test and transfer the funds remaining, then that deal's done. No matter whether Henry Morris bids five hundred million for the football club. Yeah, you're right, and and this is this bid which I, has been there's been a degree of scepticism or cynicism on Tyneside at the news, and you, you can understand that, um, would only come into play if the Premier League uh, rejects the proposed takeover from the, the PIF-funded uh, funded group. Um, and that's, of course, a big if. And, uh, well, I guess we'll come on to that. But uh, you've obviously been looking a little into Henry Maurice yourself. Um, what, what can you tell us? To be honest, very little is known about about him, um, and that does bring up, as we've heard very often recently, some red flags. Um, Morris uh, runs a, a company called uh, Clear TV Media. Um, that's shown in airports and hospitals, so he's not exactly a, a massive media mogul in the US. Um, we don't know uh, what his personal wealth or assets totals. We don't know a lot about the value of the company. Um, so it's what we do know is from California. He's a California native. Um, beyond that, he's meant to be a Tottenham fan. Sound familiar? Um, he has been brought to the table by an associate of Mike Ashley, according to reports. Um, so this, there isn't a lot of flesh on the bones with regards who he is, but. The assumption must be if this bid is genuine, which it seems there's a lot of people reporting that it is, um, he must have the money to back it up, you would think. But I suppose that would all come out in the wash should this progress. But it's important to stress, as you said, Miles, this this 
uh, bid only really becomes relevant when, oh, sorry, I say when, I'm going to change that, if, if the Saudi consortium do not get the Premier League green light or don't somehow are unable to transfer the funds, which is very, very unlikely. Yeah, and that, of course, brings us on to the, to the, to the WTO report, um, which you waded through yesterday. Um, it's, dam- it's, it, it's certainly damaging for Saudi Arabia, given the, uh, you know, in terms of how it's tackled piracy or allowed it to, 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 to carry on or facilitated it. But is it damaging for PIF? That's the kind of what it's come down to in terms of how strong is the links between the piracy, the, the state and PIF, which is the, their sovereign wealth fund. So it, 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 you know, it's been said it comes down to a, a judgment call uh, and there's a lot, a lot to be weighed up. Spent around four hours yesterday afternoon, um, exciting times, obviously, um, going through that extensive report. A lot of it was uh, legal talk, um, but there were some quite interesting points to pick out from it. Um, and as a general rule, there is there has been different takes on this. Some people believe that was reported yesterday that some people did put out there from very high, you know, very highly regarded journalists that this was Saudi state. Um, this was really critical of the Saudi state and, and, and did have links to them in there. But out from my reading of it, I didn't see any direct uh, explicit links. There was nothing in there that suggested this was could be tied back. There was nothing in words that said this could be tied back. Now, obviously, we can speculate ourselves to say, obviously, we know the nature of the, the beast in Saudi Arabia and not a lot really happens without the say-so of the main man at the top. But the WTO report didn't say anything to that means. It didn't mention Newcastle United. It didn't mention the Newcastle United takeover. We've got to remember that this report, the starting of this kind of investigation and report, predates any um, talks with uh, any talks between the Saudis and potentially buying Newcastle United. Um, a lot of it referred to uh, World Cup, uh, the rights to show World Cup games and the like, uh, also sh- the the rights to show the Premier League, a number of other divisions. Um, obviously, FIFA came out and uh, condemned condemned it so did UEFA BN Sports put out a bit of a a bit of a salty uh, response I think that's how you could describe it it was it was um, interestingly worded um, but that shows that that we're obviously talking a lot more than football here um, and this piracy claim although it's massive to the Newcastle United takeover I think is just a very small cog in the wheel with regards to this geopolitical struggle which has been raging in the Middle East since 2017 and actually if you go back a lot lot further this has got religious uh, ideological it's got it's got uh, links to uh, supporting of extremism and that kind of thing which probably goes all the way back to the late 70s really um so the report itself it, it it's damning as you said of the actual of, of Saudi not doing enough and not doing enough in the sense that it, it suggests that they probably should have closed it down sooner and then they haven't uh, then taken criminal proceedings against these people. So they haven't done enough to protect the intellectual property rights of Qatar. Um, I think it also suggests, well, I know it's, it, it also 
made a conclusion that um, the Saudis didn't allow um, any kind of recompense with regards legal channels um, from the Qataris or uh, BN Sports. And the problem there being is that there is a there is a diplomatic blockade, uh, well, there's a physical blockade as well with Qatar, blocking of land borders, uh, flights, everything you could think of, um, as well as blocking of TV channels, etc., which brings one onto the Newcastle United takeover. Um, BN Sports, as we know, is not available to view in Saudi Arabia. And that is where the issue for me with the Premier League will come. The Premier League will be very keen to not see piracy increase. Um, Saudi have, as they claim, um, done quite a few things to, to prevent that piracy. They haven't done it well enough, according to the World Trade Organization, um, which they'll likely appeal, I would think, um, which means that nothing can be adopted um, with regards to international law and that kind of thing and any uh, sanctions that may come. Um, but the problem being is that, that being sports, who are Qatari-based, own the MENA rights, which means they own the they own the Premier League rights for at least the next year to show Premier League football in Saudi Arabia. Now, there, there, there is a blockade. They're not allowing that to be shown. That's why this piracy has grown and grown and grown. With the Saudis buying a football club in the Premier League, that appetite for English football is only likely to increase tenfold. So the problem they're going to have is... How do we get around the problem that piracy might massively increase by allowing this takeover to go ahead? Is it by dividing the rights up, potentially? That's a deal that was signed long before, and this may well be a problem with the legal sort of that the, the lawyers of the Premier League are having at the moment. But I don't know what you guys think. To me, that that looking over this, we've had a long time to mull over all the the whys and wherefores of this takeover. But to me, that that is probably where I believe, this is just my take on it, that where the crux of this problem may well lie. Yeah, exactly that. You, to, to the idea that you've got a, a state sovereign wealth fund owning a football club, yet Premier League games aren't legally... Like supporters, people in that country can't legally watch Premier League football because that state is blocking... The legal rights holders is 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 awkward for the Premier League, and it, you can imagine the kind of back and forth, you know, that's been going between the representatives, PIF, and you know the, the, the buyers and the Premier League, and there would surely have to be some kind of movement, some kind of concessions or something for this this to go forward. But as I said before, it, it, it's damning, it you know, damaging, um, but. There's, there's no direct link which would, would would surely see this rejected outright or given you know the, there's the Premier League have got a bit of leeway here and it's going to come down to kind of weighing things up and, and and taking I guess a lot of legal advice in terms of what they can and can't do and and, and, and the next steps so it's 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 just very complicated and very awkward I mean just in terms of the WTA report obviously it didn't directly mentioned Newcastle and I think that the Saudis have came out since and sort of um, have said that the people going through the owners and directors test have, have zero influence over piracy so I mean from a Newcastle United point of view I mean I think that's all we can take from it really Mike Ashley's saying nothing Premier League are saying nothing so it's just one of them situations where I just think you have to you have to wait and see 
nobody knows what the what the Premier League are gonna are gonna do. No one knows what they're thinking. So I mean, it it, it really is a, a draining process, and I, I've started to feel over the last few weeks. But I just hope now, obviously, we've we've got the the WTO report out of the way. Hopefully, that's the sort of the the biggie, if you like. And now the Premier League can can look to make a decision because fans need to be put out of the misery, whether that's approval or not. It, it it's as I said to me, it's been ten weeks. It's becoming a very very difficult process, and I do think. We've said it in previous shows. It's having an impact on fans' mental health. It needs to be. It needs to be done. And the the Premier League really have, have made a circus of this. So let's hope the next few weeks there is a decision because it, it can't go on any longer. I don't think. I think I can I can see why the Premier League have, have waited for this report to be in the public domain before getting to the kind of stage where they the, the make or announce a decision. Um, if they made a decision before it was published, even though we, we understand the Premier League have obviously had access to this this report and its findings before publication. Um, I think it was wise to wait to this stage and it has it has has dragged it out. Um, but you're right, now now really the Premier League has all the information it needs. Um, has it got the answers or concessions or assurances it needs from, from Saudi Arabia? That's the kind of question in, in, in my mind as we get to this kind of very you, you would imagine very final late stage in this process i think one thing that that i find difficult to sort of weigh up with it is that the, those concessions that might have to be made would or feel almost because of the political tensions feel unlikely so let's play them through you would maybe be asking uh, the saudis to unblock being sports as the united arab emirates did um, who are on one side of this argument. Is that something that they're willing to do? I think looking through the WTO report, it showed they were very unresponsive to any kind of contact or meeting with the Qataris or any Qatari nationals, hence why they didn't want this legal action going through in their court. So is that something that they might be minded to do? I don't know. This is really high profile. It's not the biggest deal they'll ever do, but it genuinely does carry weight owning a football club. You've seen, we've talked about sports washing, I don't want to dwell too much on that, but the the power that for owning a football club has to, to shine a good light on individuals or, or shine a bad light, as in Mike Ashley. Nobody, Not many people knew who Mike Ashley was before he bought Newcastle United. There's very few people in this country don't know who Mike Ashley is now. And I think a large part of that is Sports Direct Empire, but I think Newcastle United's had a hand in that as well. You look to the likes of Abu Dhabi at Man City, um, Qatar themselves at PSG. Those are, though, though they've brought, brought themselves onto the worldwide scene by owning football clubs, being in the Champions League, that kind of thing, winning titles. And I think the Saudis probably fancy a bit of that. Um, it, it, like I say, it's not the biggest deal they'll ever do. It's 300 million because they're buying shares and five percent shares in companies for more than a billion pounds. Um, but in terms of uh, in terms of building a reputation and a positive one, this is a real big way of doing it. So away from takeover talk, which has dominated the landscape on Tyneside for the last 10, 11, I'll lose count now, weeks, um, we've actually got some football back and it starts tonight. Time dating this, we're doing this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, Newcastle United don't play till... Sunday afternoon. Miles, you'll be there. You're lucky enough to actually be one of the very, very few people who will be allowed in the, the football stadium. Are you looking forward to it? Is it? Is it? Because I know 
there's a, there's a strange amount of emotions that run with this. People are happy to see football back, excited. But the fact they're not going to be there is is quite a big loss, isn't it, in a lot of ways? Well, I, I haven't got my press pass yet, so <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed. But uh, if if I am back, it, I'm I'm, curi- I'm curious. I'll be I'll be fortunate to be inside the stadium, of course. Um, to, but uh, it, it, it it's it's not going to be the same. But just can you think back to what it was like when every every other week, or even even more often than that, we were inside St James's and there was two thousand people there. It seems a lifetime ago, doesn't it? And to think on Sunday there'll be you know, three hundred or so people in there, and that's going to be the you know the, this new normal for the time being. We don't know what will happen next season. I'm I'm curious. We'll be able to hear what the players are saying to each other. The the the, the coaches, the the managers, will be hear everything, and it's um, it's going to be very very different. And I think it's not going to be Premier League football like we know it. It's first of all the players have had you know. It's been three months or so since they last kind of kicked a ball in anger. Uh, it, they're, they're, they'll be playing catch-up with their fitness. It won't have the intensity, I'd imagine, because of the, the uh, fitness levels and, of course, the empty stadiums. Is, is, is it going to have the physicality? What kind of what kind of Premier League football are we going to see? It's just it's just not going to be the same with our fans. But you know, obviously, to the credit of the Premier League, they've they've got this far safely uh, and, and we're, you know we are restarting tonight and Newcastle United will be will be back on the field on on Sunday I'm just curious to see what kind of teams what kind of uh, is going to maybe benefit for this is it going to be more technical is it going to be slower paced who's who's going to who's going to shine over these next uh, these 92 games and of, of course the, the question up here is where will where will Newcastle United finish as the club still isn't isn't quite safe from relegation. John, your thoughts on on the return to football, and as Miles mentioned there, um, what what points total do you think Newcastle United need to retain their Premier League status? Because there's a little barrier there, but a result either way during the weekend or even midweek this week could see them sort of slip a little closer. New seasons we'll, we'll look at, and Newcastle don't actually tend to to start very well, so. Quite mindful of that, really. I, I was looking at Newcastle's fixtures, and, and you know they play Sheffield United, uh, Aston Villa, and Bournemouth, and, and they're, they're three teams that you know you get wins from them, you, you're safe. I think Newcastle only need two wins, but it would be very Newcastle-like if you know if they left it until the last minute to to secure the the Premier League status. But Miles mentioned before about you know what 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 type of game will will the Premier League be now? Will it be a technical a game? You know, I think I'm really interested to see how this behind closed doors. Uh, stuff works because with Newcastle it's always been that you know you play Newcastle away you're going to St James's Park you're going to to see a hostile crowd Newcastle don't have that now they don't have the the crowd behind them whereas you know you, you go to places like I'll, I know, I'll use Chelsea for example you go to Chelsea and you know you're going to be playing a good team in Chelsea you don't think of a, a hostile support so I think Newcastle lose quite a lot in that so I'm very interested to see where that'll go and I mean not looking too far ahead but for the FA Cup game, for example, weeks ago I, I was I was buzzing for it. I, I couldn't wait for the to play Man City at St James's Park in, in front of a packed house because I thought with the crowd, the occasion, I thought Newcastle had a chance. But now you take away all that, and I, I can't see how Newcastle can get a result against Man City because it's one of them where the environment it almost feels like a, a training game, and, and that could be very very dangerous for for Newcastle and, and Steve Bruce in that sense. Like like you, Jordan, before the before that cup game. Um... 
you, you feel with a, a full crowd, a big game, Newcastle United, even at their kind of worst moments, worst seasons, they can they can give a decent team a game with the crowd behind them. It, it it can it can happen. Everything comes together. They get that 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 momentum. You you, you get the crowd gets something to kind of hang on to to cheer about, and then then they kind of build from there. You, you're right. You take that away, and and you would you you would think it would favour the very very best technical teams and. Newcastle United isn't one of the very best technical teams in the league. That said, it's got some some good individuals. It's got pace. There is there is some technique in that team. You you've got the pace as a maximum. You've got the 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 vision of Shelby. These players you would hope um, can play an important role over the coming weeks. But uh, you you would you would imagine I haven't actually I haven't be interested to see the odds if there's any any change for that cup game if that's all been been priced in. Yeah, picking up on something you said there, Jordan, um, the FA Cup, we've waited so long to get to this stage of the competition. Um, we haven't been there in Mike Ashley's time in charge. There'll be a lot of fans might not even remember what it feels like to get to a quarter-final, sixth round of an FA Cup. Um, but it just doesn't quite have the same shine that it did. Even, it seems really, it's really, I'm battling with this, saying it, but imagine you win win the FA Cup with nobody there, is that going to feel the same? I don't know what it feels like, so I've, I've no idea. Nor the, nor the most, apart from the more elderly uh, Newcastle United fans. But it, it just there's something very, very strange about all of this, and the way I feel about it, having toyed with this a lot, is I almost just I'm happy football's back, but I almost just want it over with. I think that the takeover things a lot a lot to do with that as well. But I kind of almost just want this period, of, like let's get it out of the way. Um, I don't know what you guys think. Do, what, what do you think? Would it be the same? I I, I really don't know. Um, but I, as you, as you said, imagine getting to Wembley for the first time in, in how many years, and there's not one fan there. It's it's. I want I want I want to get there. I want I want the club to get there. I want the club to win it. But of all the years, <laughs> to. To get this far in the competition, that uh, you know, we've got a pandemic, a once in a hundred year pandemic. Imagine trying to stop half of Tyneside flooding London as well. You would get that. It would be a really difficult situation to to weigh up, especially from a policing sense, because you probably would get people travelling down just to be there, rather than obviously knowing that they couldn't get in. I mean, what what. We're judging that it may well be the case that some people may be allowed into football grounds by then. It still looks very, very, very unlikely at the moment. But Miles will be all right. You'll have his, you'll have his press pass, so we'll all be an envy of, of him. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But, but uh, there's been talk of some some fans being potentially being in Wembley for the final. But you're right. That's um, that's a long way off, and we don't know kind of the landscape we're going to have um, and. It's easy to forget. We're still we're still in the grips of this pandemic. We we, we could get second waves. The, we've seen what's going on in China, in parts of America. It's it, it we're facing a very uncertain few months, and we've got football back in uh, of sorts. But it's um, there's no real certainty about what what we're going to be facing, kind of on and off the pitch for the for the coming months. Well, despite all the negativity from myself and the lads, football is back this week. <laughs> And we might be a little bit excited, even though we're not really showing it. But make sure you guys share this uh, post online, subscribe, make sure you listen to to uh, 
our regular posts. We do this on a weekly basis. Um, for everything black and white, stay tuned to Mouth of the Time. Mm-hmm.